All right, if you have a Bible, the book of Colossians. If you don't have a Bible, maybe Bob can pass one out or someone just raise your hand and he will work to get you a Bible. We started last week making our way through the book of Colossians. If you don't know where that is, that's in the New Testament. A little hint, you get through the Gospels and Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and then it's GE Power Company which is Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. So a little uh, saying there for you to know. It just has four chapters, and uh, we're looking forward. I'm just going to read four verses. We finished off in verse 8 last week. So we'll begin in verse 9 this week, where it says this, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened. With all his glorious power... So you will have all endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. And we'll stop there at the end of verse 11. Have you ever maybe wondered how you should be praying for people? Sometimes we have our prayer list and there's a name on it, and maybe we have a little bit of a request list. I carry one on my phone, actually, my prayer list now. It used to be in a journal, but it seems my phone is closer to me, and so I have a few minutes. I start working through my list, and often I wonder and think after I've prayed for someone some days, two or three times, because if I have extra time, I'll just pop up the list and Praise the Lord if your name's on there. I'm sure I'm on your list as well. But as I do that, I start to wonder, God, what do you really want me to pray for this person? You know, they've asked me for maybe some physical need or a provision, those things important, or emotional need. But sometimes as I pray those things, it feels like my prayers are hitting the ceiling, and I wonder if God's listening to me. It seems rather repetitious in some ways, but I know God is listening, and God is hearing me, and it is so good that I am praying. As we look here in Colossians, it's rather amazing because Paul gives us a little insight to how he prays for people. And I find this extremely helpful for when I hit my list to know how to pray for people. Now, obviously, it might change, but a lot of Paul's prayers in the New Testament and how he prays for the churches are very, very similar, and we can learn by taking these prayers and praying them for one another. So maybe you do have that list out, and you're wondering how to pray, and you've done that kind of the the list Thing in terms of what they need, and but God, is there something deeper that I can pray for them? And as we look at verse 9 through 14, what we see is Paul's prayer for the Colossian church. 
how he was praying for them. And we learned last week that Paul had no real personal connection with them. He didn't plant the church. He didn't necessarily know them. But he had met people like Epaphras who were a part of that church. And he heard from them of their reputation, which we learned last week, of faith, hope, and love. And he also had heard of some of their challenges. We know in this letter he's going to warn them and correct them as he loves them. There was a problem with Gnosticism and legalism, and he's praying for them. But it's so amazing how Paul has this amazing heart of prayer, and he's never even met them. It's like you telling me about a friend I don't even know, and I'm like, man, I'm going to commit to praying for that person. And Paul says, very clearly, we have not stopped, or the New King James says, without ceasing, we have prayed for you. Now, I don't think he spent all his time praying just for the Colossians, but it's this idea of a lifestyle that they were always on his mind and he was focused on praying for them. What an encouragement for us. Last week I talked about, okay, what would be the vision of I see for the church in six months and I talked about grace and building on grace and loving one another. But this is always in my heart, so this fits along with what I'd love to see, is we grow as a fellowship in prayer. You know, I sometimes think I only have one chord on my guitar, because if you've been here for a long time, I preach about this a lot. But here, it so wonderfully fits into the passage that we're talking about this morning, but I want you to know that if you will pray for one another and for your community without ceasing, without stopping as a lifestyle, that God will move. It is one of our greatest weapons to support one another in our faith if we will truly commit to praying for one another. And I think the devil knows this, and that's why he distracts us, to be honest. We get busy, we, we don't create margin is a new word I'm learning, but we get so busy because we don't guard our time and we specifically don't guard it to pray. It seems entertainment is a big thing these days as well as busyness, relationships, and oftentimes in our life prayer isn't the everyday unceasing thing we do, but a little bit of the leftover kind of thing when we can't sleep. I think this is an encouragement to us to continue for those you know and maybe those you don't know, those you've heard about. But I think maybe with those you know, you could have a big enough list. Amen? So, it was about six months ago, I was doing a little bit of a study. I've told some of you this story. If I repeated it, I apologize, but I think it fits in nicely with this. Uh, I attended a little bit of a Bible study men's group in Carlton Place last year on Wednesday. I didn't really like the time. I'm not an early riser. It was at 7 a.m., and I'm far from there, so 
having to take a shower, just kidding. I just roll out of bed, put on a hat, bam. Um, but I went, and I remember it was in the middle of that, and um, we're going through a little bit of a curriculum on hearing God and knowing what he has for us through his word and through prayer. And I was going through the year, and one of my themes for the year is learning that I'm God, learning my identity in God again. And as I mentioned last week, just the theme of preaching the gospel to yourself every day, that you're a sinner, you're forgiven, you're loved, you're chosen. See, that makes a big difference, right? So that's been my theme for the year. But in doing that, it was uh, on a Tuesday night, it was Wednesday morning, and uh, Amy and I got into a little bit of a debate. I don't know if you ever have those in your house. <laughs> we don't call them arguments, but trying to obey Scripture and not going to bed angry in Ephesians, it became a late night. And uh, just to let you know, everything worked out. Um, <laughs> if you're wondering, checking in on your pastor, um, I'm sure you've had those yourself. We're not the only ones. But I, oh, I got that. I, I shouldn't say this, but I got that thing tomorrow morning. It's past midnight. I got to get up. And I said to Amy, I'm not going to go. And I think part of our debate was my problems, not hers. It's best to think that way, right? Um, and she said, oh, I think you should go. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so, uh, yeah, I ended up getting myself out of bed going. And so we had our regular lesson plan, but this week the leader, my friend Doug Sprunt, uh, stopped the meeting when we began. He said, you know, God woke me up in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh, couldn't sleep, huh? Um, he said, I think we need to pray for someone in this room. God put someone on my heart last night, and we're going to spend the time praying for this person. So I'm thinking who it could be in the room. They have lots of problems, right? Join in and help out and get them. I'm a pastor. That's what you should do, right, is... Uh, Pray for people, but the problem is he looks at me. <laughs> says, Dan, God woke me up. And we're supposed to pray for you. So at this point, you have mixed emotions, right? You, God, you're unbelievable. How could you do that? You know I'm struggling. You wake someone else up. You put them on me, on his heart. And then you have a little emotions, too, because you're like, darn it. Everybody knows. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag, baby. Uh, so they did pray for me, and it was a wonderful prayer time, and how they do pray is someone prayed out, and they listened to have words of encouragement for me and um, things they were thinking. And one of the, the amazing things is someone I didn't even know in that group, uh, Westport, I don't even, I don't, never talked to him outside of that Bible study, and even within the Bible study, I don't think I said that much to him. Name was Derek, and Derek didn't know me, didn't really know anything about Northgate, didn't know anything about what's going on here, and Derek looks at me and said, I just want to let you know, God thinks you're doing a good job. Oh, it just, that felt good. Of course, you know, there's affirmation always before exhortation, right? And then he uh, carried on to say, but listen, man, you're trying to do way too much alone, and you need help. This guy doesn't know me, Right? And so someone else pipes up in the group, yeah, do you have anyone praying for you? Well, sure I do, folks. I have people praying for me. And uh, the same person who said that made it clear, you know, I knew a pastor once who made a prayer list, and he sent it out each week 
Because people need to know how to pray for one another. They said, I think you should do that. And obviously at that point, knowing that God is real, God is speaking, knowing my own frailty too, with the course of my time leading up to this, I thought, I could do that. I could find people to pray for me. You know, a lot of people are praying for me, but I don't communicate how they can pray. And so what I did is I just texted 10 people I knew, just 10 to start with. Would you commit to praying for me each week specifically of the things I give you? So this is all coming from being, him being woken up, God speaking to this fellow. And you know what? To my amazement, all 10 said yes. And they were committed to that. I want to tell you, from that point, that list has grown substantially. And you wonder sometimes, because you get emails, and some people don't even look at them, right? Oh, Pastor Dan's prayer list, I'll pass, whatever. I, I knew that. And so one time, three months later, I did a little test. I wrote it out, and at the very bottom, I said, if you actually read this and are praying, could you just send me a hey back? H-E. And I was amazed. The majority of people said, hey, not only do I say hey, but I want you to know I'm praying for you. I tell you that story because I believe that prayer is changing my life. Those people committed, and now it's 52 people committed, to praying for me each week is giving me the strength I need to accomplish what God's asked me to do. Prayer is powerful, and God knows that, and I can't do it on my own. And he woke someone else up to tell me that, to reach out to people who want to help me, to fight for me, to pray for me. Paul says... I'm praying without ceasing. I've failed not to pray for you. And if I can feel the difference of people's prayers, and I know God wants it, supernaturally showing me through waking someone else up, what a lesson for the rest of us that we need to be praying for one another. I just want to let you know, it's not an option when we're in a battle. It's a necessity. It's like going to war without a gun. And we are doing that. We are choosing to do that and thinking in our own ability and not asking God to be the one to work and to move. Obviously, we need to do something, but without his empowering, we're in trouble. And in six months, I want to see us grow to see the importance of prayer. I started running. I've mentioned that before and how important it is to my energy levels. And I guard that time to run because it's a priority, because it's a healthy thing for me and those around me. How much more prayer? Do we guard our time? Do we make time? Is it more important 
than even the food that we eat or the air that we breathe? I only tell you this because the power is available. The question is, are we committed? So on that note, um, I think we can change our whole community through prayer. I really believe that. It will commit to prayer. And so I had a vision for 2020 in terms of creating, not just here at Northgate, but through all the churches in Lanark County, a group of people who commit to pray for our community and people in it just for one hour a week. So if you have a commute and say you drive in and it's half an hour, there and back one day a week, if you pray, you are having an eternal impact. If you have half an hour in the morning, in the evening, or one hour altogether, but think, one hour a week, and we did this a year ago with Team 20, but I said, that is so insular and focused on Northgate, and there's a whole body of Christ. And that gets me excited if we're all unified by prayer, praying for our community, for God to move, and the things that God would say, wow, if I feel the difference, don't you think he would move in our community? So let me ask that again. <laughs> I'm not saying when and how. I'm saying if we ask, he will answer because we have this confidence that if we pray according to his will, he will answer. So we made a little video. Is it possible to do? This is a little early, but I just, along with the sermon, I thought, how do I get churches involved with us? And you know what I thought? Go to their pastors and have them have input. When people have ownership, they want to be a part of something, right? So, if Liam would get the lights, and I want you to pray about being a part of this prayer team in 2020, and more information will come in the weeks to come. I want to encourage you to pray about committing to that. Because I... I I don't think we know the power that Paul is talking about here. But I think it involves commitment. And you say, oh, Dan, why do you have to do something like that? Why do you have to come up with a gimmick to get us going? Because we're human beings. And we need something to commit to. Otherwise, sometimes we don't do it. So we need a little help. But I just found it very interesting in this section just to give you a little bit of help in how to pray. It's interesting at the beginning that Paul would say that he would pray that God would give them a complete knowledge of his will and that God would give them wisdom and understanding. In the New King James, it would say that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do you know, Jesus prayed that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus prayed in the garden, your will, not my will be done, right? Your will be done. And there are many people who don't even know what God's will is for them. 
There are so many things that are being thought about, decisions that are going to be made, and people don't even know the general will of God. And so Paul's praying here that these people would know God's will and do it. And Epaphras, this one who's been with them, and in chapter 4, who's laboring for them in prayer, as you can read on your own, says he's laboring that they will be in God's perfect will. That God's will from heaven will come to earth, and it can happen in many ways, but people sometimes have questions. Pray for me. What do I do in this situation? And the first thing to know is, what would God do? What is God's will for this situation? And sometimes we don't have to look past the character of God to find our answer, but people need to see that and then respond to that. We need understanding and wisdom. We need to know the character of God. We need, even in Ephesians 1, Paul would pray, the spirit of wisdom and understanding to know the will of God. And I don't want to get into you use a crystal ball for your future and say, oh, this is God's will for you. I'm talking about basic God's will. I'm talking about decisions that we make every day. If we know who God is, we know how to deal with situations. For instance, if I'm in a difficult relationship and I don't know how to handle that situation and I say, well, what's God's will in this situation? Well, God's will is... I'm loving, I'm forgiving, I'm righteous in how I deal with people. God's will is that I'm humble, I'm gentle. God's will is that I operate in his truth. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own head and we think our own thoughts that we don't understand that truth is the greater reality, the truth of God's word, and we need to know his will. Amen? I've had people come, believe it or not, and say to me, or deal with this in their churches, not because uh, any abuse or not because of uh, any issue of adultery, just because they're not happy in their marriage, people have come to say, well, I feel God's uh, telling me to get out of this marriage. I just feel God's telling me that. Well, you're not listening to the same God I'm listening to, because God's will is he hates divorce. And I'm not talking about those minor situations. I'm talking about people in their head because they don't like something say, God help me. But God's will sometimes is difficult and that's why we need to labor for one another that we would know it and do it. Amen? And you might think, well, that's an obvious point. <laughs> think about it a little longer. And see, the only way to know God's will is to know God's character. And the only way to know God's character is to know his word. And to be praying for one another. That we would know truth in his will and to understand that. You know, sometimes it's really difficult because we, we see things that aren't God's will. You know that? It's really hard. And sometimes in certain situations we don't know God's will, especially when I'm praying for people to be healed and I see someone like Christian Miller someone who has cancer. What is God's will? I don't know. But Lord, would you show them? I know first and foremost, God's will for them is that they would have strength and faith and hope and endurance. And I will pray that God will heal Christian, but that's up to him. We need to pray down God's will from heaven 
to earth because that's what Jesus did. Secondly, it's interesting, just moving through these, that Paul would pray that they would walk worthy of the Lord, that they would bear fruit for God in every good work knowing Him. In the New King James, I think it uses the word please, that you would please God, that you would walk worthy of what He asks you to do, that you would bear all good fruit. I want to tell you very clearly this morning that God loves you no matter what. But the Bible is very clear that you don't please Him all the time. There can be a little bit of a new theology like, oh, you're pleasing God all the time. If I'm living in sin, I'm not pleasing God. But I want you to know it doesn't mean He doesn't love me. Do you understand that? I love my kids all the time. Am I pleased with them all the time? Easy example, right? Paul prays, you, church of Colossae, would know to walk worthy and to please God, to please Him, that you would bear fruit, that you would have the fruit of the Spirit. It says, all fruit flowing through you. Isn't that a great prayer for people? Oh, Lord, I pray for my son Stephan that he would walk worthy of being a Christian, worthy of his name as a Christian, and that he would please you. Lord, be with Stephan. I pray that he would bear all fruit for your glory. Isn't that a great prayer? Please pray that for me. I think sometimes, even with ourselves, we're so afraid to take glory from God or talk about ourselves that we would never pray, God, would you bear all fruit in me? There is nowhere in Scripture that God says he doesn't want you to produce all spiritual fruit and be successful in your walk with the Lord. Amen? But why is it we have such a problem praying for that for each other and ourselves? Well, they might get a little arrogant then. Would you want you to leave that to the Lord and let him judge his servants but you pray that they would be successful in their walk with the Lord. And it reminded me of that old book, and whether you liked it or not, I like the concept of the prayer of Jabez, because the prayer simply is saying, God, would you increase my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I would not cause pain. That's the prayer, in a sense. God, would you bear all fruit through me and those in my life? Would we be just full of your spirit and the fruit of your spirit that you would get all glory that we wouldn't hurt people that we would bless people that people would know that your hand is upon us isn't that a great prayer and sometimes we're afraid to pray that as i mentioned but i want to pray that for you and i pray that you would pray that for me i pray that for my children I always bring it back. What would I do with my children, God? My heart for my children should be my children for every one of you. And sometimes we're bitter at people and we're angry and relationships happen. I don't want to pray that they'll be successful in the Lord. Yeah, it actually does happen that we're happy when they don't succeed. What a wicked heart we have. We should be praying that God would use the Free Methodist Church RCF, the Pentecostal Church, 
and that they'd have no room in their church. Well, yeah, but um, um, Dan, they're not in Northgate. Who gives a rip? For the kingdom of God may all fruit be produced by all believers in Lanark County, that people would know God. And by the way, your gift might not be teaching or prophesying. It might just be hospitality or hard work or business or something like that. So when I look at you and you have a gift in the workplace, can I really pray that they should be successful? You better believe it. Because when they look at you, they'll see God's hand of blessing. Amen? Finally, I just want to kind of mention this one, that they would have all power, it says. We pray that you will be strengthened with all glorious power, His glorious power in verse 11, that you will have endurance and patience that you need, that you will be filled with joy. Man, I want you to go home and write these things down and put them beside your prayer list. Think about this. When we think power, we think miracles, right? Oh, we need more power in Lanark County, right? But that's not what Paul's praying. That's not the power he's praying for. He said that they would have his glorious power to have all endurance and patience. Oh, baby, how about that? Here's what he's praying. There's a lot of us who are tired. There are a lot of us who are in circumstances that are difficult. There are a lot of us who want things to happen that aren't happening. And I'm not even talking about the workplace. A lot of us are parents. Todd, why isn't this happening? And we need to have patience and endurance, especially in prayer. And think what he's saying. Oh, that you would have supernatural, glorious power to endure and to have patience. So you will have all joy. Oh, you know, I'm getting excited about this. Because there's a lot of us, myself included, who are impatient. And there's times in our life that we want to give up. And we want to do it our way. And we want to put God on the shelf. And his word is too difficult to live. God, you want me to be patient and loving and forgiving? Come on, you don't know what's happened to me. And he says, no. I want you to do my will, but I'm praying that you'll have all glorious power to do it with endurance and patience. And we could have a little more patience in our life. <laughs> have a little more endurance. Some of you are serving the Lord, and it's difficult. It really is. Serving the Lord always isn't like this bouquet of flowers <laughs> and rainbows and lollipops. Sometimes it's darn right hard. And Paul knows that and says, oh man, may they have an engine within them, the Holy Spirit, that is so much bigger than their own engine that they can endure and have patience. And then he wants to throw this little thing on at the end, that they will have all joy. I'm telling you right now, it's easy to have joy when things are going well. But I'll come knocking on your door when things stink. Maybe we sit down together and say, God, would you give us all glorious heavenly power to have joy as we endure 
can have patience. And you know, I just really felt that for our group today. Yeah, I want God's will. It's important to pray for people. I want you to bear fruit. It's good to go through that. But would you pray for one another that they would have power to persist, to continue, to endure? The greatest truth of all is that Christ lives in you. You have all power not just for miracles, but more importantly, to endure and to have patience with all joy. So today, how can we wrap it up? Paul prayed without ceasing. May we pray without ceasing. Would you pray about a commitment for 2020 to pray for each other? And I would ask you, while you're praying for each other, take it a little deeper than the I want, they need to, that they would know God's will, that they would bear fruit, that they would know God, and that they would have access to his power to be patient and to endure. Amen? So now you can't tell me, I don't know how to pray. <laughs> I don't know how to pray for people, Pastor Dan. Well, yes, you do. And if you don't remember what I said, just turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Amen? Just put in a name right there and pray it out. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace today. Thank you. You've given us the gift of prayer. Would you make us prayer warriors for your kingdom? As you would say in Luke chapter 18, may we learn to persist when we're discouraged to pray for one another. As the disciples <laughs> said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Your life, God, Jesus, was a life of prayer. We pray against distractions in our lives. Would you give us a little more self-discipline myself at the top of the list? Yeah, and even this morning, we pray for those we know. If there's anyone in this room who needs to know God's will in a situation, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would reveal your character, your way in this moment, God. You'd reveal your will for anyone in this room who needs to make a decision. Even in this moment, Holy Spirit, to speak to them of who you are. And if it's specific direction they need, Lord, I pray that you would speak into their hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that right now. I pray for each one in this room that you will walk worthy of your calling, that you would walk a life that bears fruit without sin. And if there's anyone in this room living in sin, you can come to Jesus. He forgives you. I'd encourage you to repent and turn and bear all fruit. So I pray for success, spiritual success in this room of each person, that they would bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray that for people we know. Pray that we'll know you, God. And Lord, lastly, we pray for your glorious power. If those in this room are in a trial or things don't ever seem to change or they always need patience or endurance or you're just there and you don't know why and you're tired and you're discouraged, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit 
that you would have new power in Jesus Christ to endure. We pray that over us. We release that over us. And we release patience and joy that we can look at the situation not angry, not upset, but refreshed by Christ who lives in us. Oh, thank you, Lord. You're so good to verbalize what you've said. We're going to celebrate communion, Jesus. And he's the one who said, God, your will be done, not mine in the garden, and sacrificed his love to obey God's will that changed us forever. Can I tell you this morning that you are forgiven? The question is, have you received that forgiveness or not? Have you claimed it? And if you haven't, I would encourage you. Don't live unforgiven, trying to do it yourself. The Bible would clearly say if we believe in Jesus Christ, that he came, died, and rose again, and we confess that with our mouth, that we'll be saved. So would you receive that gift? And for the rest of us, may we just enjoy who we are. Just preach the gospel to yourself as you take communion, that you were a sinner, that you are forgiven, and that Christ lives in you. It's a time to worship and to preach and to remind yourself of who you are because of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's do that this morning and be encouraged. Randy will sing the elements are in the back. If you need prayer for anything, be brothers and sisters who would love to pray for you. Let's enjoy Jesus.